2: Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. Drag You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a robbery detail. A supermarket in your city has been robbed. The thief wore a disguise. You don't know who he is or what he looks like. Your job, find him. It was Wednesday, August 13th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working a day watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Frank Smith, the boss of TV detectives, Fab Brown. My name's Friday. I was on my way into the office. It was 7.58 a.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery. Morning, Frank. You been in long? About ten minutes. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a hot one today, isn't it? Yeah, that's what the paper says. Anything in the book? No. How about those mugs? They come in from Burton? Yeah, I put them in your box. Thank you. You take a look at them? Hey, Frank. What? I say, did you see the mugs?
0: Oh, no. All
2: right. What's the matter? Faye, what happened? Joe, you know me. You know how I feel about Faye. But you got to know I didn't mean anything by it. You didn't mean anything? Certainly not. It's the farthest thing from my mind. What was? What she thought I meant. You know, Joe, sometimes I think they just don't understand me. Well, I don't understand you either on this one. Oh, that's right. You weren't there. No. So I got to thinking to myself you were. No, I huh. I got to thinking to myself when I got a problem. You kind of think your old buddy knows all about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So i got to fill you in. I'll tell you all about it. Right now. Yeah. You see, after dinner last night, we had those... Swedish meatballs that Faye makes so good. The what? Meatballs. Swedish ones. Oh, yeah, I know. I had those out there. Yeah, wonderful. Very good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, after dinner last night, we went into the living room, sat down to watch the television. Mm hmm. I switched on the set, and I kind of arranged the pillows and settled back. And a couple of minutes later, Faye comes in with a box. One of those big, flat ones like dresses come in. Mm hmm. Yeah, I know. She bought a new dress. Joe, that's why she fixed the meatballs. I don't know how this is going to end, but up to here, I must be on face side, I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't understand any of it. Oh. Well, I'll straighten that out. Mm-hmm. You see, whenever she wants me to go along with something she's already done, she always makes Swedish meatballs. Well, I could figure that part out. What was in the box? A dress, Joe. She bought a dress. Oh, it was a dress? Yeah. She opened up the box. She shows it to me. Tell me how she bought it on sale. Mm-hmm. You ever notice how every time a woman buys a dress, it's always on sale? No, I can't say as I ever have. Well, believe me, buddy, it always is On sale. On sale. I don't want you to go through the whole day with this on your mind, but if you don't get to the point, it'll be time for to sign out. Oh, talk about... Well, it. I didn't mean anything by it. Nothing. She held the dress up for me to see, and all I did, I just said, what size is it? You know how you do it. Well, look at these mug shots now. No, wait a minute. I want to finish. You asked me what I was mad about. I wanted to tell you... I asked her what size the dress was. She told me it was a twelve, a twelve. A twelve, yeah. So I just kinda casually mentioned that when we got married she wore a nine. That's all I said, but she wore a nine. Wanna look at the mugshots now? No, wait a minute. Will you help me with this thing? She used to be in partnership. You can't help a little. We'll look at the mugshots. When we were married, she wore a nine. And she just flipped her wig, Joe. So she got real mad, walked out of the room. Right out of the room. Yeah. I, thought I meant she was getting back. Here. Yes, she did. Let's go. Corner of Grandview and Union. Yeah? Hold up. By the time we got to the supermarket, a broadcast carrying effect had been gotten out to all cars in the city. A small crowd of people had gathered in front of the store and the officers from the radio unit had to keep them back from the entrance. An ambulance had been called, and when we got there, the attendants were giving emergency treatment to the day manager of the store. He'd been struck on the left side of the head just about these he make his getaway. The attendant told us that the man was suffering from a mild concussion. Frank and I entered the store and talked to one of the policemen who was there. He led us back to a small office in the rear of the place where we met the other two victims. One was the cashier of the store, Irma Watson. The other was the man who had the meat concession in the store, Tom Spence. We asked him to tell us what happened. First thing I saw of him was when I parked my car up in the lot. The guy was standing right to the side door.
0: That's right, just standing there, calm as could be. I saw him when I opened up the place.
2: Mm-hmm. You want to go ahead?
0: Well, I unlocked the door and we all came in. Man did, too. Just walked right in.
2: We don't normally let people come in for eight, hardly ever. But since Gerald was there, we figured he'd take care of the man. Well, you mean Gerald's the man in the ambulance? Yeah, that's right. Hold up, tell her, give him an awful cloud on the head. Give him concussion. Concussion to the head.
0: Tell you something about that, too.
2: What's that, Miss Watson?
0: I don't really think Charles hit that hard. I think he's just putting on to get sympathy.
2: Now, or that ain't right. I could say things like that.
0: Maybe not, but I tell you, you remember remember the time he cut his finger when he was moving the cases of empty soda pop bottles? Yeah. Well, you were there, had to rush him to the hospital, had his hands sewn up. A lot of foolishness, piece of adhesive would have taken care of it. Sympathy, that's what he wants.
2: Uh, can we go on with what we were talking about? What happened after you came in the store, please?
0: Well, I went upstairs and I turned on the lights.
2: I have to turn them off from up there. Office up there.
0: That's where I
2: was.
0: Mm-hmm. Turned on the lights, and come down to open the safe.
2: Is that your job, to open the safe in the morning? Yeah. And she's a cashier. Yes, sir. What happened there? Well, Gerald was going out back to open the delivery door. i go over in a checking second and district right enough. And where was Holden that man during this time?
0: Oh, well, he just kind of strolling around, looking at the different displays up and down the house, just looking.
2: Gerald opened up the back door and come back. Asked the fella if there was something special he's looking for. Well. So, I said he wanted to know where they still after Van Schofie was. Gerald told him. The fellow went back to get some.
0: That's what Gerald thought, but we know different now. Yeah,
2: a lot different. So, where'd you go on, please?
0: Well, I was upstairs counting the receipts from yesterday, getting the bank statement ready.
2: Kermit's a cashier. Yeah. Here yeah, we know. would you go on, please?
0: Well, first thing I know, the man standing right behind me, holding this gun, pointed right at me. Even just that, he liked to scare me out of my wits.
2: Must have been terrible, Irma.
0: It was. I just turned around, and there he was with this gun. Just about scared me to death.
2: That's when he asked you for the money, did he?
0: He didn't ask. He just told me to put it in a wooden box he had. Just put it in the box.
2: What did he say? What were his exact words?
0: Well, he just kind of walked over and said, Put the money in the box and don't cause no trouble. This is a stick-up. Like that, he said it.
2: Irma did just what he said.
0: Yes, sir. I gave him the money, dumped it all in the box, just like he said. Then he told me to lay down on the floor. Just told me to lay down and not to make any noise, he'd come back and kill me. I think he'd have done it too. I
2: think he would have, Irma. That's
0: why I did what he said, flatten the floor.
2: Did he have the box when he came in?
0: Yeah, I had it under his arm.
2: I was down behind the meat counter, and all of a sudden I heard the scream.
0: That was me, yes, I let out a yelling, and, and Tom here heard it.
2: Yeah, so Gerald, we kind of looked at each other, and then I grabbed the meat cleaver and started up the stairs. I didn't know what was wrong, but I did know Irma was in trouble.
0: I appreciate that, Tom.
2: Well, I knew you were in trouble, and I came running. Got the stairs, come up the office, and then I saw him. He was just coming down. He still had the gun, did he? Yeah, had the gun in the box. I didn't know what was in it at that time, but I had no idea. I just hefted the cleaver and started up the stairs. stopped when he saw me. Stopped right in his tracks.
0: Tom's awful brave. Yes,
2: ma'am. So he told me to get out of his way or else he'd kill me. way was pointing that gun around, trying to believe him. So I backed down the stairs and him right behind me. All the time, he had that gun pointed at me. Where was the manager all this time?
0: You mean Gerald? Mm-hmm. I don't
2: know. I was upstairs. No, I saw him. He was down by a cash register in front. He saw this guy coming down the stairs, and he ran for the phone to call the police. The fellow saw him, and he took off after Gerald. I thought he was going to shoot him, but he didn't. He just hit him. Give him a concussion to the head. He's
0: after sympathy,
2: that's all. Oh, now, I mean, you're wrong. i seen it. He gave Gerald an awful hit right along here. There, real hard. Mm. Now, which way did the man go after he left the store, please? He ran down that way, uh, down Union. Uh-huh. Uh, will you describe the man for us? Well, He, he was, was about, about the five feet six. and however, He would right. be a little better if you told us one at a time. Uh, I, mean, I guess you'd never get it that way. It'd be a little difficult. For you. you go ahead, Irma. Well,
0: I, I told the other policeman he was about the funniest looking little man I ever saw. Real little.
2: Oh, not really. I, I think he just kind of hunched over.
0: Well, he looked little.
2: About how tall was he? Oh, about five foot eight, maybe nine.
0: I guess that's about right. Tell him about the way he was dressed.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. Had on this black overcoat and a hat, all pulled down over his eyes. Uh, the hat, I mean. What color was his hair, do you remember? Well, what I could see of it was kind of blonde, light-colored.
0: Yeah, that's right, and he had a mustache.
2: Yeah, real big. Looked like the old-fashioned kind, like people wore when I was a kid. You know, handlebar, black.
0: Real black.
2: Uh-huh. Where well, he left the store, did you notice that he got into a car? Yeah, he did. I saw him run down the street and jump in one, a dark color. I'm not sure what kind it was. I think it might have been a Hudson. Lake model.
0: I saw that. I was looking out the side window upstairs and I saw the same thing.
2: Did you tell the other officers about it? Well, I didn't. neither did I. To die. I guess we better get out of broadcast on it, yeah. Did you happen to get the license number of the car? Yeah, that's where I went to work. I got it written down right here on my apron. See? The numbers ain't too plain, but you can make them out. Uh, no, sir, I can't. You'll have to help me there.
0: I got it, too. Right here. I saw him get in the car and I wrote it down.
2: Uh-huh. Thank you. Having the number of the car is going to make it easier to catch fell, ain't it?
0: It should make it a snap to find out who owns the car and that's the man.
2: Well, it's not going to be that easy, I'm afraid. Why? Both numbers are different. A supplemental broadcast was gotten out carrying both the license numbers that the victims had gotten. Frank put in a call to DMV asking him to forward all information on the numbers. The crime lab crew came out and went over the place for fingerprints, but they were not able to turn up anything that we could use. We continued to question the butcher and the cashier. We got a complete description of the feet. The one outstanding thing that both of them agreed on was the mustache. Both said that it was a direct contrast to the color of the man's hair and said that it might have been darkened with shoe polish or some kind of grease. People in the vicinity were questioned, but none of them were able to supply us with any new information. The injured manager was removed to Georgia Street Receiving Hospital for emergency treatment and then referred to his own doctor. Frank and I talked to him, but he only verified the story that we'd gotten from the other two people in the store. 12.45 p.m. We returned to the city hall and asked the staff's office to start a run on the M.O. for us. The victims were asked to go through the mug book, but they were not able to identify any of the photographs. Frank and I spent the rest of the day talking to the other storekeepers in the vicinity of the robbery. We asked each of them if they'd seen anyone loitering in the area, anyone who looked suspicious. From each of them, we got the same answer. None of them could help us in establishing the identity of the suspect. The kickback on the license number came in from Sacramento, but when we checked out the information, we were no closer to apprehending the thief. The next morning, Thursday, August 14th, Mike and I met in the squad room. Hi, Joe. Morning. How's my old buddy this morning? I'm all right. You sound happy. The problem with pay straight now? Oh, yeah, sure. Got home last night. Everything's great. All yeah, right. Hey, we started last night. What's that? What and me. We're going on a diet. Folks are to lose a little weight. Well, that's nice. Yeah, lose a little weight. Anything new in the market holder? No, the staff's office should finish the run for us this morning when you start checking out the possible. Yeah, it's a good thing I wore my walking shoes, huh? I get it. Robbery Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's right. No, that's all right. We'd like to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. All right, we'll be out and see you. No, right away. All right, thank you very much. Bye. What do you got? Cashier out at the market, that Irma Watson. Yeah. Might have something for us. What's that? Well, she says she thinks she knows who the suspect is. <laughs> Frank and I drove out to the market. We went upstairs to the office in the rear of the store and met Irma Watson. She was seated at a desk with a large ledger book opened in front of her.
0: I got to thinking it over last night after I got home about the hold-up man. Yes, ma'am. There was something about him, the way he acted and talked, made me think I knew who he was. That I'd seen him someplace before. Uh-huh. He really worked most of the night just thinking about it. And, and all of a sudden it came to me, right out of the air, it came to me. Yes, ma'am. Go
2: ahead.
0: Well, I knew where it was, that I thought I knew him from. Where, ma'am? Right here in the store.
2: You mean he's a customer?
0: No, he works for us right here in the store. That's where I've seen him. That mustache kind of fooled me for a minute, but not for long, I remembered.
2: What's the man's name?
0: I didn't remember that. Oh. Not last night, but I came down here this morning and started through the books and came upon it. Got it right here. Take a look for yourself. See? Right there.
2: Jed Ellsworth?
0: That's him, I'm sure of it.
2: Does Ellsworth work here now?
0: Well, yes and no.
2: Yeah?
0: Well, he does and he doesn't. He's still got the job, but he ain't working right now. Got a leave of absence. He's got ulcers. Said he wanted to get him taken care of. Said he had to go out of town and see a specialist. Get his ulcer fixed. Yes, when do he leave? Last week. See, I got it right here. Last day he worked was Wednesday, August 6th. That was the last day. Mm-hmm. Do
2: you have his home address?
0: A- Information out for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you very much. You see him? I'm sure of it.
2: Miss Watson, we'll check into it.
0: The only thing I can't figure out is that mustache. What's
2: that?
0: The mustache. I can't figure out how he could have grown it so fast. Takes longer than a week to get a mustache like that, doesn't it? Well, it
2: depends it. Right? Oh, um, yes. Where well, you buy it? Frank and I returned to the office to run the name Jed Ellsworth through the record bureau. While Frank went through the packages, checking the description we'd gotten of the suspect, I went down to the staff's office and picked up the list of possible that they had for us. 10.26 a.m. I met Frank back at the RI counter. All right, how's it going? Well, looks like we got a live one, hmm? Got a Jed Ellsworth here pretty close to the description. Yeah. Record in the East St. Louis. Done big time back there, nothing locally. for? Armed robbery. <laughs> You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. We sent an immediate request to the authorities in St. Louis asking if they forward all available information on their suspect, Jed Ellsworth. 1.15 p.m. Frank and I drove out to the address we'd been given by the cashier at the supermarket. It was a one-story Redwood house in the Beverly Glen area. We rang it up.
0: Yes?
2: You like to get He's not here. Well, do you know where we can reach him?
0: What's this about? Are you in trouble again? Ma'am? Yeah. have in trouble again?
2: We'd like to talk to him, please. The cops? Or police officers.
0: Uh-huh. Figures. What's he done this time?
2: Well, it's just routine. We want to ask him a couple of questions. Where is he? I don't know. Well, he lives
0: here, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know where he is. haven't seen him since day before yesterday. Packed up and left. I don't know where he went.
2: Well, didn't he give me any idea where he was going?
0: None. Went through my purse, took what money I had, and shoved off. Don't much matter to me if I never see him again. I'd probably be better off.
2: wonder if we could see his thing.
0: Anybody left? Esther. Sure. Come on in. They're in his room. I'm about to throw him out. I don't want him, and I don't think you'll be back for him this time. Down the hall, this way.
2: Thank you, ma'am.
0: What're you after him for?
2: It'll be a little better if we talk to him.
0: Sure. Don't matter to me. I'm through with him. Nothing but trouble with cops since we've been married. I didn't know he had a record when I met him. Even until after we got married, I found out he was a jailbird. Right after we got married, the cops started coming around asking questions.
2: How long have you been married?
0: Eighteen months. Got him back in St. Louis. I say right after he got out of jail. I didn't know it then. was dead wouldn't have nothing to do with him. It'd be nothing but trouble.
2: Would you know if he has any people in California?
0: That I ever saw. He never talked about him.
2: Did he drive a car? Judd? Yes, sir.
0: No, didn't own one. This is his room. Step there. <laughs> Thank
2: you, officer.
0: I'm going to throw it all out. Anything there you want, just take it with you.
2: I don't think that'll be necessary.
0: Well, the offer's still good. What you don't take, I'll throw up.
2: Your husband got any close friends at all in town?
0: Yeah, got a lot of bums. Can
2: you give us their names?
0: Only one name I know, Larry Jessup. And then Jed used to pal around all the time. I think his job at the store took up too much pal time. That's reason Jed quit.
2: I understand your husband had trouble with his stomach, though.
0: Yeah, ulcer.
2: Was he under the care of a doctor?
0: Uh huh. All the time taking pills and eating special things. Got to the point where nothing I cooked was right for the ulcer. We did nothing but fight all the time. Miserable 18 months. I'm glad he's gone. Never see him again. It'll be a week too soon.
2: Can you give us the doctor's name?
0: Yeah, one of the bills there. Got it in with the rest of them. Reminds me, can you answer me something?
2: Well, what's that?
0: Am I responsible for his bills, the one being ran of himself without my help? I got a fair?
2: Well, ma'am, that's not a police problem. You better check with a lawyer on there.
0: Oh, a lawyer? Yes,
2: sir.
0: More expense. Seems like all I do is put out money for him. yeah, I'm glad he's gone.
2: Do you have a picture of him?
0: You mean like a snapshot? Yes, sir. No, Jed wouldn't let nobody take pictures of him. Said so it was bad luck.
2: Mm. He had a mustache, didn't he? Mr. Daniel.
0: This is yeah? you know what's on these autograph records? Oh, those are mine. I'm a stenographer. I never I do work at home. Those are mine.
2: Oh.
0: Just letters. The one thing he ever did for me. What's that? He made that box for records. Real big thing. Took him all day to make it. Just a plain, simple wooden box. I thought it was a Taj Mahal. The only thing he ever did for me.
2: Your husband get any phone calls here?
0: No. Not so you would notice. Larry'd call once in a while. I told you there was real power.
2: You ever hear any of the conversations by any chance? So I miss him. You know what they were talking
0: about? Not too good. They used to a real secret, You know, low voices. They were finding something, though. I don't know what it was, but they were finding something. I just
2: saw a Jessopie drive a car. Yeah. You know what kind?
0: Yeah. New Hudson.
2: We got the address of the suspect's friend, and we drove back to the city hall. We made arrangements for a stakeout to be placed on the house, in addition to asking Mrs. Ellsworth to call us in the event that she heard from her husband. We ran the name Lawrence Jessup through R&I, and we came up with a criminal record for him that listed several arrests for burglary and auto theft. According to his package, he'd never been convicted in California. We sent a teletype up to George the CII in Sacramento, asking for further information on the man. 4.50 p.m., Frank and I left the office and drove out to the address given us by the suspect's wife. It was a large boarding house in the Hollywood Hills area. We talked to the landlady. She told us Jessup wasn't in, but she expected him by 6 p.m. We asked if she'd ever seen a man answering Jed Ellsworth's description. He said that such a man was a frequent visitor in Jessup's room. 5 p.m., Frank and I and the company of the landlady checked the room. We found nothing to tie Jessup in with the robbery. We waited for him. 5.58 p.m., He came up the stairs and opened the door. What are you guys doing here? Police officers. This is Frank Smith. My name's Friday. I
1: still want to know what you're doing here.
2: Got a couple of questions we want to ask you, Jessup.
1: Go ahead. I got nothing to hide. Ask.
2: Where's Jed Elford?
1: I don't know. I haven't seen him in a couple of days. Why? I
2: understand you two are pretty good friends.
1: Were friends. The guy's off his rocker. How do you mean that? What I said. When he got out of the can a couple of years ago, right away he's doing his best to get back in. Is that right? Sure. A couple of days ago he called said he had to see me right away. Had a big idea for both of us to make a lot of money. Yeah? Well, I don't want to have to work all my life, so I told him I'd listen. He laid out this big deal where he could knock off a supermarket. Told him it all worked out. Well. I told him I didn't want no part of it. I could sure use the dough, yeah, but not take a chance on going to jail for it. I already got a record. Left me the rest of my life. the last couple of times it didn't fall. <laughs> no, I just said I was crazy not to pick up some easy money. You heard from him since then? Yeah, I saw him yesterday. He came over in the morning. Told me to forget all about the market job. Said he realized it was wrong. Asked me to drive him out to Pomona. What for, did he say? Yeah, he said he'd walked down on Hazel. Oh, that's his wife. Yeah, we know. Said he left her and was going to Pomona. Had a job out there. You drive him? Yeah, to a motel there. I can show it to if you want. Is he still there? I don't know. As far as I know, he is. That's where I left him. Sitting out there counting his money. What money? He told me he drew all the dough out of his and Hazel's account. Said she wasn't going to get any of it. Must have had about 4,000 bucks.
2: Uh-huh. You know what bank he had the money in?
1: No, he didn't say. I didn't know him and Hazel had that much. Of course, she works pretty hard. Trifty, you know. Jed always said she was stingy. A lot of money. Uh-huh. Yeah, had it in this wooden box, all stacked in there real neat. Hard to believe. What's that? About the box. Jed's about the laziest guy I ever knew. Last one to work with his hands. Sure proud of it, though. Uh-huh. Said he made the box himself. <laughs>
2: Larry, Jessup, Frank, and I drove out to the motel in Pomona. We checked with the manager, but found that the suspect had checked out that morning. Fortunately, the room had not been cleaned yet, and we went over it. On a shelf in the closet, we found the wooden box that Jessup had spoken of. It was a duplicate of the one that we'd seen at the suspect's home. We told the manager we were taking it with us and asked her to notify us in the event Ellsworth returned. Asked if he had a car when he left. Asked for the name of the market for Frank to come back from the suspect's room.
1: Sure looks like he pulled the robbery, huh? Yeah,
2: seems good. It... Joe, yeah. wait a bit. <laughs> We checked with the automobile rental agencies in the area. None of them had seen a man answering the suspect's description. We asked him to call us if such a man did come in. We drove by Ellsworth's house and picked up the wooden box that he'd made for his wife's dictograph record. Both of the containers were taken to the crime lab for comparison. We drove to the market that had been held up. All three of the victims were shown the false mustache that we'd found in the motel. All three said it was identical with the one that the holdup man had worn. Investigation, Lee Jones, cut from the sink. The nails used were made for the same machine. The box we'd found at the motel was shown to both the butcher and the cashier. They said that it was the same one that the thief had carried. A local and an APB were put out on the suspect asking that he be picked up for suspicion of robbery. For the next three days, the surveillance on the suspect's house was maintained. All of Mrs. Eldriff's activities were observed. Sunday, August 17th, we got a call that the suspect's wife had left the house carrying a suitcase. The officers on stakeout followed her to the subway terminal in downtown Los Angeles. We met them there. Mrs. Ellsworth walked down to the landing and appeared to be waiting. Frank and I took over the surveillance. We waited. 9.30 p.m. 10. 10.15. 10.18 p.m. Joe. Yeah. Very yeah, I think it's a to discuss here. Like the I'll let at get it Yeah, Come on. They seize us.
0: out come on. Come on, Frank. Hi, Ellsworth. Hold it up. Police
2: officers. <laughs> Come on, drop the gun, You're not going to get out of here. Let's get it back to him. Down. Come on. He's hurt. Yeah. I'll get an
0: ambulance
2: for him. Did kill him? No, we sent for an ambulance. I didn't
0: want him to get hurt. I didn't want him to get
2: hurt. Why don't you call us when you heard from him? I don't
0: know. I don't know. He said if I met him, he'd give me some money so I could pay the bills we owed. He was going to give me some money. I was going to call you. if I got the money. I was going to call. Yeah, sure you were chance to get out from under. get even. He didn't care when we were together. I was the one who worried about it. He never cared. He never paid a bill.
2: Don't no worry. He's going to pay this
0: one.
1: Jed Warren Ellsworth was tried and convicted of robbery in the first degree and received sentence as
2: prescribed by law. Robbery in the first degree is punishable by imprisonment in the state penitentiary for
1: a period of from five years to life.
2: You have just heard Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action and starring Jack Webb, a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio Service.